Welcome to Shatterproof. I am your host, Todd Callahan. You can follow me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. You can download our church app by searching IgniteChurchVT.com on your app store or your Google Play store. And you can follow us online at IgniteChurchVT.com. Listen, share this podcast, share this episode with somebody, encourage them and bless them with it. We're going to have a great conversation today. You don't want to miss it. I'll be right back with you. Just a couple of days past the slap heard around the world between Will Smith and Chris Rock. I know many of you, like me, probably were not watching the Academy Awards because it's a bunch of garbage and nobody really cares about it anyway. I mean, you got a bunch of of Hollywood elitists and a bunch of actors and and comedians, and they're kind of patting themselves on the back and, and giving themselves awards. It's an interesting cycle. Um, but if you're like me, didn't pay any attention to that stuff, and all of a sudden on social media, you started seeing the slap hurt around the world is what I've been calling it. You started seeing the uh, aggressive behavior from Will Smith towards Chris Rock. And, you know, as I begin to think about where we've come as a culture to where that can happen with millions of people watching, I saw the ratings just the other day, and I know that there were uh, tens of millions less than what have been watching shows like the Oscars and the Academy Awards in past years. I think it's great that they have such a decline in viewership because it shows you that our culture is not putting precedent on celebrities. They're not putting precedent on Hollywood anymore. They understand there's great corruption, there's deceit, there's manipulation, there's immoral immoral practices. There's all kinds of mess happening inside of certain circles in Hollywood as well, as well as in politics. But I think it's wonderful to see the drop of viewership because they have less influence. And people aren't going to want to be exposed to that kinds of garbage. So when, when, I flip, when I was flipping through social media and saw that Will Smith had gone up and attacked Chris Rock in front of millions of people, I just began to think about where we've come as a society, where we've come as a culture that someone can literally in front of millions of people walk up and intentionally, intentionally punch him in the face and, and, and assault him is essentially what happened. And I blame the fabric of our society being in such decay. You might not agree with me, but I've been in church ministry for many, many, many years. I've grown up as a PK. This is all I know. All I know is the world of church ministry. And I blame the fabric of our society being in such decay on the church at large. And then if the church isn't right, I blame that on the pastors and the leaders and the spiritual teachers. I blame that on the ones holding the microphones because this is what the Bible says. Jesus said a student becomes like his teacher. If they are both blind, will they not both fall into a ditch? We've got so much garbage happening right now all over our culture. We've got all kinds of decay, all kinds of issues happening all over our culture right now to where we are trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a leader, what it means to be someone of influence inside of such a decay, inside of such of us, inside of such immoral practices happening in our culture right now. Now I love our church because we're a multicultural, multiracial church. And whenever there's a racial, a cultural and ethical issue, people will look to those kinds of churches to get right in the middle of the conversation. But where are the preachers willing to address all the decline in our culture right now? The Bible says John the Baptist came preaching. I am sick and tired. I said it on Sunday morning here at Ignite Church. I I am sick and tired of lecturers and motivational speakers and TED Talks from the platforms and churches across America where pastors are trying to say certain things to keep the big givers in the chairs, to keep chairs filled up so they can keep preaching their sugar-coated Cinnabon gospel. Man, I am over that stuff. I am so sick of seeing it and hearing it and watching it take place throughout America and around the world. We need, where are all the preachers in America today? We need people who are willing to speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may and not care about what people feel about it. If it's from the Bible, I don't care how it offends you. Well, pastor, you shouldn't say that because you shouldn't talk about homosexuality because you never know. You may have someone in your congregation struggling with homosexuality. Great. Then maybe the conviction of the word of God is going to help change the direction that they're headed. But pastor, you might have transgenders in your church and church, and you don't want them to be offended by, by you just saying that God created male and female. Well, he did. I'm not going to not preach the word of God over somebody's perverted view 
of themselves and essentially saying, God made a mistake with me. God didn't make a mistake with them. They're caught up in sin. They are deceived by demonic influences, principalities and powers, rulers of wickedness in heavenly places, and they need to get their life right, straightened out, and put in alignment with the kingdom that God's called them to bring. And whether we have homosexuals uh, in, in our churches to try and make us marry them to prove a point, guess what, pastors? We need, we need to preach an uncompromised gospel that teaches marriages between a man and a woman. And if we're preaching the Bible, we should care less who gets offended. We can't offend anybody, Pastor Todd. Well, we're going to offend people if we're preaching the gospel. If I'm preaching the truth and you're walking in rebellion, guess what? You're going to get mad. You're going to get offended. The only way I cannot offend you is to agree with somebody's rebellion. And I don't know about you, but I don't think we should be doing that. Because you and I are going to have to account to God for the people he's put in our circle, he's put in our influence, and we've got to make sure that we're representing the kingdom with truth, integrity, and godly character. We've got to have a fear of God again as the people of God. We need a fear of God in our culture. First and foremost, we've got to get our hopes out of the government. The government's not going to fix what's happening in our culture right now. We're depending on midterm elections to turn our culture around. Come on. We really cannot believe that's the answer. I believe this is why we need to have Christians running for office. We need to have Christians running from local school boards, city councils, mayors, governors, local elected officials, our local House and Senate seats, all the way up to national positions in Washington, D.C. We need Christians to get engaged at local and national levels in the political world. If your next candidate is going on the ballot in in the midterms, or maybe they were elected in this last election, it doesn't matter. They can't fix it. They're a part of the solution, but they are not the answer. You and I as the people of God are the only thing in the earth that will fix this. The kingdom of God coming into this earth through our influence, through the, through the keys of the kingdom that God has given us, this is the only thing in the whole earth, the whole world that can fix what's happening right now in our culture. It's called the kingdom and you and I are a part of it. There's nothing else. You are putting false hope in an agency, a representative, a political party, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, no matter. None of them can fix this. The kingdom is Jesus's answer to everything that's happening in our culture right now. Jesus is our peace. The Bible says that he was broke, that that he has broke the dividing wall, the barrier between us. He didn't just break the wall between us and God. He broke down the wall between me and you. So let me put this in, you know, we're talking about culture right now. Let's go back to Abraham. If you know anything about Abraham, God's talking to Abraham. Abraham's a heathen at this point in his life. He's an, you know, he's an idol, moon-worshiping, moral delinquent, if you could call him. And God is about to make a nation out of that kind of man. He's about to take a people that did not exist and cause them to exist. There was no ethnic people that were Jewish. The Jews were formed out of a people that already were. God changed them into something else. In Genesis 12, if you know this story, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. In other words, leave what you know and pursue what you don't know. And he tells Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And you and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, God's cutting a pretty good deal with Abraham right right there. I mean, the three prerequisites to greatness, right? Number one, get out of your country. Number two, get out of your family. Number three, get out of your father's house. Now, this is Old Testament, where God is taking Abraham and making a nation out of him, which today we call the Jewish nation. The Bible says that we on this side of Jesus are the seed of Abraham and his blessing falls on us. So Genesis 12 reaches all the way back thousands of years and smacks us right between the eyes because Jesus passed his blessing onto us. First Peter 2, 9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? A peculiar people, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness, or in other words, ignorance, into his marvelous light or his knowledge. For you once were not a people, you were once a nobody, and now you're not a person, you're the person. You are not a people, you are the people. 
That's why I said, if anything's going to happen, it's going to come from the people of God. Our society has gotten so non-Christian that our churches have backpedaled and they allow people to be introduced to God. And after the introduction, the relationship never progresses. I've read a lot of uh, um, um, articles and I've read a couple of books by uh, um, an individual, a man who kind of gave a framework years and years ago, decades ago, for this seeker-friendly movement that just absolutely plummeted. I mean, it, it grew churches, but it plummeted the spiritual infusion. It, it, it just stifled and slowed and hindered the move of God in size of, in, 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 on the inside of houses of worship because this model was built on keeping everyone at the same level. We need to have a seeker level, they were saying. We need to have a beginning entry level. Well, that's the same. You, you kept it the same level. And you wonder why people never grew. You wonder why the conviction of the Holy Spirit never hit people in the way that it used to decades ago. Well, the seeker-friendly model just kept people at an entry level for God. And, 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 you know, we don't want to make disciples anymore in churches because it's too difficult of a job and everybody's so busy. And because we want our churches packed, we're willing to say only a few things because if we say everything God says, it's going to cost you people. When Jesus said, you, if, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to chill with me, if you're going to hang out with me and you're gonna, we're going to live life together, come on, you're my brother, right? If, if, if I'm going to be the one that you receive as Lord and Savior, and we're going to walk together in, in unity, it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to drink my blood and eat my flesh, or you'll have no part of me. Let me tell you something. When you talk like that, and people understand the sacrifice, and, and, and they start counting the cost of what it means to run with someone like Jesus, the Bible says they left. They, they, just, they, they left in droves. He went from packed churches, from having a packed church service outside, to very few following him. Because when it costs you something, when you, when you preach the kingdom with truth, integrity, character, honesty, and you do not withhold the kingdom, it's going to cost you something. And so we have bigger churches with packed out facilities. Statistics tell us that prior to COVID, more than any other period in American history, we had larger churches. But high school dropout rates were at all-time levels. Unplanned pregnancies at the highest level in decades. Poverty rates at its highest level, especially as we engage this new season that we're in right now in 2022. Racial tension is probably at its highest level since the 1960s. The churches were packed prior to COVID, but everything was going downhill. Why do you think it's so difficult right now coming out of this whole virus situation? Why many pastors and many leaders have seen such a decline in a return of people coming back to church? Because prior to COVID, you were just giving them sugar-coated, candy-coated sugar lips. Gospel. Cinnabon gospel. Why are, why are we shocked in this culture? One thing I love about our church is though there are some that still haven't come back, I would venture to say 85 to 90% of the people who are, in our, who are in our church prior to COVID, they've all come back. We've, we've, we've lost some, as many other churches have, but our church is packed out even with people that we connected with during that season of COVID because we refused to close. We refused to be uh, forced by the government to do something that we were biblically commanded and called to do. We were, we, were, we were not going to be forced to do something unconstitutional. We were not going to allow our rights to be infringed on. So we stayed open and we pushed back the governor. We pushed back on the attorney general. We pushed back on the health um, commissioner of this state and we stayed open. And God showed up and moved mightily. And that's why in 2022, and I've got many friends that I follow on social media, other pastors around the nation, they've got large churches uh, with thousands of people in it. And I see what they post on social media and it just makes my heart so sad to see their sanctuary and their, their auditorium empty. To see a sanctuary that holds three to five to 6,000 people just to see a couple of hundred people sitting in there. When prior to COVID, it was completely packed, but they closed for a year, a year and a half. And when they reopened, it was a slow reopen. And they had all of these mandates in place and all of these practices in place that people had to do. And, and all of these things were put in long term. And people just got sick of it. But it created a culture of not assembling together as the people of God. And now that's become a regular practice. So I hold the men and women who stand on these stages 
and, 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 and preach the gospel and are supposed to be speaking the kingdom and preaching these kingdom principles to a generation, I hold them responsible because, listen, I'll call them out because there are things that they won't preach and, 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 and will never preach it because big brother, big bucks will walk right out the back door. And so they remain silent when God speaks because of who and what support they're afraid of losing. I've made my mind up that if I go out, man, I'm going to go out telling the truth because at the end of the day, I don't care if you like me. I need to be able to look in the mirror and live with myself. I need to be able to stand before God and said, I preached an uncompromised gospel in the middle of a decaying culture and I was not manipulated. I was not uh, tried by people in, in that, that, that were in my circle, that we stood together, we stood united, and we were unwilling to compromise to the culture. The whole way this is viewed has got to change. In America, the Bible is reviewed as a religious document, not just by culture, but many pastors and spiritual leaders and Christians. Just another religion with a code of conduct. Just another, uh, you know, if you do this stuff in here, your life might get better, so give it a try. Listen, that's religion. Religion is conforming to an outer code of conduct. I tell, I remind our church of that all the time. Religion is conforming to an outer code of conduct. If you are truly walking with God and are truly right in your faith right now in this culture, you are not allowing what's happening externally to change you internally. You are allowing what God is doing internally to change things outwardly on the outside. For those of you who thought that, that when you go to church that you're a part of a religion, Jesus hated religion. And I, and I kind of chuckle when I hear other Christians ask other people, you know, what religion are you? <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it's amazing that, that we don't understand what the kingdom is. We don't understand that we are walking in relationship with God, that we are not part of a religion. But he had great pity on people with issues. He scorched religious people. Jesus would take people who looked down on their long, you know, with their long pharisaical nose and their glasses at the end of their nose, right? And he would eat their lunch. But somebody who had problems and sin issues and morality issues and integrity issues and they needed forgiveness, somebody who needed to be touched in their body, he had great compassion for them. But somebody who thought they were holier than everybody else, he would rip them a new one right in front of everybody. The thing that we think we're a part of, a religion, right, is the very thing Jesus hated the most. Jesus did not come to institute a religion in the earth. Maybe we wouldn't be where we are as a culture right now if we understood the difference. The Bible is not a religious book, and Jesus is not a religious figure. I'm going to say it again so you don't have to rewind the podcast and hit the 10-second return button. I'm going to say it one more time. (laughs) The Bible is not a religious book, and Jesus is not a religious figure. Pastor, you shouldn't be talking about politics in church. I didn't start it. Jesus did. The Bible is a book about a king, a book about his kingdom, and a book about a royal family. The Bible is about a king, his kingdom, and a royal family. Understand, most of us have grown up in a democracy. So we interpret things through the eyes of our American experiences. Whatever country that you're in right now, most people don't understand what it's like to live outside of a democracy. We've grown up in a society where everybody has a right, everybody has an opinion, everybody has a say-so, and in a kingdom, that's not the way things operate. Kings don't wait on a vote from people. (laughs) Kings do not wait on on an opinion to be formed by people. A king has a will, has a purpose, has an intent. Then what a king does is he takes territory. What a king does is he imposes his values, his customs, his conduct, his behavior on that territory until that territory takes on the customs of the king and becomes a part of that king's domain. Every king that was ever a conquering king, why did they want to conquer? They wanted more land. They wanted more people to be responsible for no, that's not what they, what they did that for. That's not what their conquering desires were. 
because he believed deeply in his will and in his intent and in his purpose. And he wanted his values to increase and spread throughout the earth. So the Bible says that Jesus was born in the fullness of time. What does that mean? That means at the right moment in history, there was a time where God said, my son, the Messiah is going to come into the earth. And he came during the reign of the Roman empire. So if we look at, let's talk about the Roman Empire for a minute, because if we look at our American culture and we look at the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire was different than every other empire. I'm not going to bore you with history, but it's important. Every other empire would take you over, conquer you, take you out of your native land and put you into their land and their territory. And that's what the book of, of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Babylonians had taken over all of God's people, pulled them into exile into their own land. And the king started telling them not, to, you know, they could not eat the food they wanted. They would eat the food he wanted them to eat. You're not going to live by your values. You're going to live by my values as a king. So why did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the fiery furnace? Because they looked at the king and told him they were not going to eat his food. They were not going to follow his ways. They were not going to accept his values because they belonged to God and you're not going to change that. And they got sent into the furnace, but because they stood with what they believed, God showed up as the fourth man in the furnace and they came out. And the Bible says that they didn't even smell like smoke. So what was the king trying to do? He was trying to impose and inflict his will upon another people. Welcome to America 2022. It's amazing to, to, to read Old Testament and, and, and to see all of these things play out decades and generations and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years later. John the Baptist came before Jesus. If you remember this, and he said, okay, everybody, we're going to repent because the kingdom is at hand. Jesus did not come to give you a new way to behave. That's religion. Jesus is a king. And John the Baptist said, it's coming, it's coming. What's coming? His kingdom is coming. There's a king coming and he's going to bring his kingdom. And upon the increase of this kingdom, Isaiah said, there will be no end. And it's going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing. It's not going to be stopped no matter what anybody does to it. So guess what? We're experiencing all kinds of moral decay, character flaws, lack of integrity all over this nation. But the kingdom of God is continuing to grow and grow and grow. And it's getting powerful and more powerful and more powerful each and every day. Every day I look to see what's happening around the nation. I look into the news. I see what's being reported on. I do my research. I see what's happening. Every time I listen to a press conference the president has, every time I listen to his press secretary, every time I see what's happening right now, all it reminds me of is God is shaking and breaking the foundations of this nation because he's about to build his kingdom and we, his church, the rock that he's going to build this great and powerful move of God upon must be ready for what he's about to pour out. It's, it's already been done. He's just waiting for his church to step into it. We cannot become lazy in our faith. We cannot slumber in this season. We cannot ex pretend like what's happening does not exist. Okay, so Jesus shows up and the kingdom's here. And then as Jesus was teaching, he begins to tell people that the kingdom is now where? The kingdom is within you. In other words, Jesus was a king who came from another place, heaven, to impose heaven's customs. Well, pastor, it's not fair that Jesus imposes heaven's customs and heaven's traditions and heaven's law. Because not everybody believes in Jesus. Listen, this mentality that Christians have that we cannot impose a kingdom on this culture right now because not everybody is Christian. Not everybody believes what I do. You've taken the bait. Do you understand that churches, now I, 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 kind, of refer, I kind of referred to this as non-profit um, I, I said to our church last Wednesday night at our midweek service, I believe it was, I said, we're, we are not a nonprofit church or a nonprofit organization as it relates to how the government looks at us, but we are not a nonprofit church because we have prophetic voices in our church. We believe in the prophetic unction and the prophetic gifts that God has released to our church. We are not one of those nonprofit churches, but here's the thing. People around the culture will look at churches and they'll just say, well, they're just a nonprofit organization. 
We have people in churches all throughout America that treat ministries and, and, and treat houses of worship just like they're just some charitable organization. Well, I got to make sure that I give X amount of money so I can get X amount of donations um, reported and I, and I can go and turn that in for my taxes. So they don't give out of covenant with God. Many Christians give out, give because they want to get something out of it so they can go report it on their taxes. So if the government took that away, would you still tithe? Would you still honor the covenant? You see, we've allowed the government, and here, here's, what, here's where I see all of this decay happening and all of this breakdown in our society happening. We've allowed the government to take the power away from the church. Why do you think one of the first things that happened when this virus situation hit in 2020, one of the first things government said is churches could not assemble anymore? Because they realize and they understand at a deep level that there's great power and there's great influence in, the, in, in houses of worship across this nation. They know that the people of God hold the power over what happens in this nation. They understand that moral convictions and integrity and great character is poured out of houses of worship. And in order for them to manipulate and get into and implement their structural changes and redo the framework of this country, they needed to shut down voices that could oppose the demonic influences that were causing these changes to happen in 2020 and 2021. And we see the fruits of that today in 2022. Church attendance is way down. Pastors have quit. Churches have closed because no one came back. And we wonder what's why our culture is in the stage of, of, of decline that it is right now. And the government took power away. Pastors laid their, the word of God down. They laid their mantle down. They laid their calling down. They laid their gift down. And they told the government, because you're telling me what to do, I'm going to honor that and do that. I'm going to honor Romans 13. Man, you laid down your calling. You gave up on everything that God commanded you to do. You had such a voice where you could have changed the world and changed your sphere, changed the nation. You could have stood strong with, with men and women of God who did not cave to political pressure all over this nation. But rather, you you were more, you, many pastors and leaders were more concerned about virtue signaling and making sure they looked good than they were for standing for truth and righteousness and preaching the word of God in such moral decline. And they will have to stand before God and answer to God why they did not fight for the kingdom. We would not be where we are in 2022 today if, if the tens of thousands of churches around this nation did not close. Jesus came from heaven to earth to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth and plant it as a seed in the hearts of men with the desire that his kingdom would, would eventually take over the culture. And you let the government culture take over you. I'm talking to pastors and leaders who are listening to this podcast right now. We have a chance to gather a generation right now and bring them into the kingdom to see God move mightily if we will move right now. Quit praying to God to take you out of everybody that works you know, th that you work with because, you know, they're just a bunch of heathens and, 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 and you know, I don't want to work around heathens anymore. I, have you ever thought that God might have placed you there so you could change the culture? Well, I want to work around Christian people. Wait a minute. The Bible says you're the salt of the earth. Why do Christians only want to get together and salt the salt? I don't need to salt the salt. I need to salt the earth. And God's going to put his behavior, his love, his desires, his customs, his ethics, his beliefs, his passion inside of you and then go and sprinkle you out in a heathen atmosphere until what is in you affects the whole environment around you. That was his plan. But we don't understand a king wanting to set a culture. We understand presidents. We understand house and senate, but we don't understand kingship. And a king, when he says something, that thing is not optional. This is what I don't get. We, we don't forsake the assembling of the saints. This is the habit of some. We must come together in corporate worship. And you got those Christians that throw out the scripture to, to justify them not coming together. Well, pastor, if any two or three are gathered, we only need a couple of us. So it's me and my family at home. Come on, you're sitting there eating your Fruit Loops, your Cheerios, and your pajamas, and your comfy slip, slippers while you're watching service online, and you tell, you're trying to tell me 
That the same atmosphere that's created inside an auditorium with the people of God coming together in corporate worship, releasing the word, signs and wonders and miracles happening, the power of God falling. Are you trying to tell me that that atmosphere that's happening inside of corporate worship is happening at your breakfast table while you're sipping down your Lucky Charms leftover milk? It's not happening. It is not happening. And people who are in places in their, in their spiritual journey, in their walk with God, who are okay with that, listen, we're on different paradigms. You, I, I, and I know there's a lot of Christians that believe I'm saved. That's all I needed to do. I got my fire insurance card. I'm going to heaven. I'm just going to now live a blase life of faith. You are missing out on the great moves of God in your life. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if you are living in a, in a place in your journey right now with God where you are trying to figure out why you are stuck, why you are at a stalemate in your spiritual life, and you're not engaged in corporate worship, and you've stayed home over the past two years, and you've now gotten comfortable not attending church and not being with other people, you see, there's a law that opens the windows of heaven and it happens to be attached to 10% of your income. God is not sitting there waiting on your vote. Heaven isn't opening until you obey that command and that covenant. What you do with it is up to you. The law won't change. The Bible says that once you release that 10%, once you sow that tithe, he will not only open for you the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you don't have room enough to receive, but he also rebukes the devourer. So you may feel good staying at home and, 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 and drinking your, your, your milk out of your bowl and sitting in your comfy PJs with your slippers on and your messy hair. And you're skipping out on corporate worship. And because you're not here on corporate worship, you don't have to tithe. You feel like you don't have to sow. You don't have to give into the kingdom. And then you wonder why you're stuck. It's because you've allowed the devourer to continue to eat the seed that God's been trying to plant into your life to take your life to a brand new level. That's the way a king operates. And we are in a huge disadvantage in understanding kingdom. And we've been raised with everybody having rights and everybody having opinions. And, and listen, we can debate everything and everyone has a say-so in all matters. And then we bring that mindset into church. And so when a pastor preaches something that we don't like, what do we do? Well, we go to the, the church buffet in the city where we try to find a version of Jesus that identifies with the version of Jesus that we've created in our mind and in our head. Do you know what church we settle into? The one that agrees with us, not the one that we agree with. The one that demands the least amount of change for the lifestyle that I've already accepted that I like. That's where we're at as a culture right now. Most people are not looking for the truth of the word of God. They're not looking for a kingdom teaching, preaching church with prophetic unction, with, with, with the, the belief and the practice that, that the gifts are available today. The fivefold ministry is functional in operation, that the spirit of God is releasing to, the, to believers and, and to God's people a heavenly prayer language. We don't have people searching for that anymore. Because we've allowed pastors and leaders, generation after generation, to dilute the truth of the word of God. So now we have a culture that says, I decide how I want to live, and then I go find the church that preaches that kind of Jesus. Instead of going and walking with the real Jesus, the real kingdom of God, and that his kingdom is coming, and he's put his kingdom inside of you. You see, Rome was the only empire that did not go and get you and bring you into their nation. They did something very different. They did something very different. They took governors. They would take a governor and a colony of people back to the place that they had just conquered until the customs, the rituals, the standards, and the ethics of Rome had been saturated in that area through that colony, through that governor. And the most important person in Rome was not Caesar, the most important person was the governor. Do you remember Pilate? See, Pilate was a Roman governor. Jesus lived in a Roman colony. Pilate was sent to saturate the place and the area, the region where Jesus lived with Roman ethics. And, and when he got to Pilate, Pilate asked Jesus, don't you know I have the power to take your life? And Jesus looked back at him and said, no, man, no, 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 no. You don't know who you're talking to. I got the power to lay my own life down, and I've got the power to raise it back up. You don't get to tell me when I die and when I get back up. You're just the governor, but I'm the king. 
And Pilate was a governor sent there to Romanize the area. That's why they say, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Their customs and their ways made them a very effective empire, and it lasted longer than any other other empire, uh, as a matter of fact, because of their ways. And Jesus came in the fullness of time to bring a kingdom. Why? Because he wasn't trying to get everybody into a building. He was trying to get heaven's ethics, heaven's values, the values of his heavenly father inside of men, and then send you out in colonies in judicial systems, in political systems, into educational systems, into marketplace systems, into school systems, into businesses, and let what is in you begin to saturate the ethics of that area. That's why corporate worship is so important. It's not about the building. It's about coming together as the people of God and walking in the power together so that when we walk out of those back doors, we are affecting every area of influence that God puts us in. I tell you, I believe America is in great moral decline because the world does not know the ethics of the kingdom, because many Christians are not living out the ethics of the kingdom. But even more grave is the church does not know the ethics of the kingdom. So when we get into the world, we act just like it. So we have no ability to change it because we want to be like it so that we're never pressed by it. We want to be like it so they don't label us. Well, if you're just like it, you'll never change it. I can only affect you when I'm different from you. I can only bless you when I'm different from you. If I'm just like you, I have no ability to change you. If I talk like you, I can't challenge your conversation. If I go where you go, I can't challenge you on your activity. If I act like you act, then I can't challenge your conduct. You say, what does that mean? Well, when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock across the face, there were individuals that came up to him at the commercial break to settle him down, to, 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 to speak, um, um, I'm sure, correction into his life, to help bring a realignment back to his actions. We have to be in touch with the way heaven acts and with the activities of heaven and have people around us that if we get out of alignment, if we get out of order, there are people that God has put in our life to help us Renavigate the direction that we're going and let our light shine before all men. You know, God told Abraham, okay, I'm going to make for myself a nation, a people that were not, and I'm going to make them the people. I'm going to do things with you, Abraham, and I'm going to make you rich and wealthy. Everybody's going to be touched by your blessing, and I won't let anyone say a word about you. The whole earth will be blessed through you, but three prerequisites. One, get out of the country. Get out of your country. The word country in Hebrew means ethnicity. I'm going to let that sit with you for just a second. <laughs> Let's talk 2022. Because when you walk into, in, into your, your church service, when, you're, when you walk into church, you are not there to represent your race. I don't preach and grab a microphone in the name of white people in America. He said, I've come to create a new nation. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what, what, what culture you are, what culture you represent, what nation you are from. You are my brother. You are my sister. I don't care what your history is, what your background is, how much money you make, whether you've got a degree hanging on the wall or whether or not you are a high school dropout. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you are my brother. You are my sister. And the first thing we have to understand is to never allow yourself to be defined by your race, your color, or your ethnic background. Because we look at each other's race and we assume we know something about somebody. We don't know anything about each other, but we look at color and we assume that there are things we know just by your color. But let me remind you, God looks upon the heart. We don't know anything about a person until you get to the heart of a man. Your color didn't tell me anything. God told him, Abraham, the first thing you've got to do is if I'm going to make you great, is you're going to have to leave the constraints of your race and what people have told you your race does and does not do well. You're going to have to come out of the limitations that people have placed on you because of your color and your ethnicity. He says, your potential is not your color. Your potential is the word. Your potential is everything I say you are. Your potential is everything I say you can do. You can have everything I say you can have. So God tells him to leave the constraints of the people who are backing you into a corner that because you're black, you're white, you're red, you're yellow, purple, whatever color you are, you can and can't do something. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, the white Todd Callahan has died and I no longer live, but, the, but, but Christ Jesus who lives in me, I am now a new creation, a new creation in Christ that is neither Greek nor Jew, bond nor free, male nor female. This is the only thing that's going to fix it. 
Then he said, get out of your family, which actually truly is translated class. Well, in America, you've got upper middle class, middle class, lower middle class, poverty line, or at risk. Rich class, urban class, rural, rural class, uneducated class, educated class. God doesn't recognize earthly classifications. That was placed on you by somebody. That was placed by somebody who went to college somewhere, then tried to study you and put you into a certain box. They said, you're never going to get out of these specific lines that, you've, that they've drawn around you. Can I tell you, I've never been good at staying in the lines. Because when I was a kid, especially even into high school, I was always pushing the envelope, going outside the lines of what was expected, what was deemed normal by someone else. You know how many times I would push the envelope and I would say something that goes against my convictions and because it offended somebody or offended my teachers, they would look at me and say, I thought you were a Christian. Why would you say something like that? And I would go home and tell my parents and I'd be like, well, well the word of God says this, the Bible says this, this is what I believe, this is how you guys have raised me me and it goes against the culture. And now they're using my faith to make it seem as though I'm some kind of bigoted uh, uh, person who doesn't agree with a certain lifestyle. I would get called to the principal's office and be told if, if, if I don't follow this specific rule, I'm going to be suspended. They'd have meetings with my parents and say, if he, if he says this again, or he tries to do this again, he's going to get suspended. You know why I won't stay in the lines? Because I wanted to know who drew the lines. Because if God didn't draw the line, I'm not going to stay inside of somebody else's line that they drew for me. If you want me to become a part of something immoral, bless God, you better get ready. You you better put your armor on because I am coming to battle with you. You're not going to back me into a corner and tell me that because I didn't do what I was told to do, I'm going to be put inside of a corner and boxed in. While I'm in that sphere of influence, I've got gifts and talents. And if you're not going to tell me that because, my, uh, because of my last name and the fact that I'm in ministry, I'll never reach a generation. Nobody can tell you that because of, of what side of town you live on or because of, 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 of a specific government that you are out of or, uh, you know, or, or what the government's dictated over your life that you can't be successful because you make under a certain amount of money or, or you would live in a certain area of the country. The devil is a liar. I want to see somebody step outside the line and say, I'm getting out and I'm breaking the rules. I'm about to move into God's kingdom and uphold the law of God's kingdom in my life. I pressed the envelope so many times when I was in high school, especially high school. I was one of those elementary kids that liked to color outside the lines. Just, just to see how abstract I can make the picture. I remember in high school, there was a, a, a two gay organizations, two, two organizations pushing homosexuality. They were coming in and they were talking about, they were, they were trying to, they came in and gave their initial spiel. And this was going to turn into, quote, an awareness week. Many of you may know what I'm talking about, but they brought this organization in that kind of explained what this awareness week was going to be like. And they talked about the whole homosexual agenda, how you can be gay, what you need to do to be gay. They were showing, they were bringing in um, um, fake bananas and showing people how to put condoms on bananas. They were talking about how to have safe sex. They were talking about how to have safe gay sex. I'm talking about, this is, I graduated in 1994. This is my senior year in high school. And when they were just bringing this stuff in to our school district, to our, to our high school and didn't tell parents. So we found all this stuff was going on. And all of a sudden I started telling my parents, my parents reached out to the school board. There were several conservative individuals on the school board that believed in, in biblical truth, biblical morality. And they said, hold up, what, what's going on? Let me tell you something, make a long story short. This turned into a massive, massive problem where um, a, a certain member of government, I forget what her position was at the time. I believe it was under the Clinton administration, Jocelyn Elders. She got a hold in, uh, of what was happening up in my high school um, and what I was trying to do. And she started making comments about it. I started getting called a bigot, a homophobic, um, a racist, all kinds of stuff. My senior year in high school, when I'm supposed to be enjoying this, this, this last year. And I got called to the principal's office. What I did is I ended up having a petition put together going around all throughout the high school and having, I got hundreds of signatures on this petition that said they did not want this organization coming into the high school. I took it, presented it to the school board after I had been reamed out in my, in, in, in my um, high school principal's uh, office, her telling me I had no right to do that. I had to go through a process. I said, I don't have time to go through a process. This whole thing's going to come and go before the process even gets approved. I had to go and put this stuff out there. You should have told parents, you should have told students in advance that this was in the works. So see, they try to deceive it. They try to hide it. 
They try to put a veil over it. So the next thing you know, our entire auditorium is packed out. The local news media is there. It got a little national attention because of Jocelyn Elders with the Clinton administration. It, it, it blew up. I was being labeled. The next morning after the whole freak show that occurred at that, at that um, um, special meeting that we held about this, this event, that this awareness week that the school was trying to put together, I wake up the next morning. This is back in the days when the newspaper used to be delivered to your house. <laughs> you couldn't go online. You couldn't read stuff on the internet or anything like that. I mean, you, you had to read the newspaper. So I get up the next morning, I go into the kitchen and my parents had taken the newspaper and laid it out on the kitchen table. And lo and behold, there's my mom and dad sitting right there on the, on the, on the front of that newspaper on the Burlington free press, Burlington free press. There's my parents. I didn't even want to go to school that day. They targeted my parents because my parents pastored the church that I'm pastoring right now. And my parents were there representing me as a student themselves as taxpayers. And then as pastors in the community, they were there representing God's kingdom. They got labeled, they got blasted, and we all got tore up because we were representing truth in the midst of moral decay. And listen, it hurts to take blows like that sometimes, but you cannot allow the culture to push you over. And the last thing he said to Abraham is get out of your father's house. He's talking of generational curses. Grandfather struggled with homosexuality, but no one ever knew it. Great grandmother was engaged in, in all kinds of immoral behaviors, but no one ever knew it. Parents struggled with money. And because of that, parents have told you you're probably going to be broke and your mom couldn't keep a man and grandmother couldn't keep a man. And now you can't keep a relationship intact. And this one died from cancer. So you're just waiting for yourself to die. Those are generational curses and influences that must be broken inside the power of the kingdom of God. And God said, I've got things I'm going to do for you that are beyond your family, that are beyond your own limitations that you and your mother have, and your father have handed down to you. And God said, if you can ever understand that you are no longer confined to your ethnic background, confined to your social economic class, confined to your generational curses, he says, you are now a chosen generation a holy family, a royal family, a royal priesthood, a whole new nation. Get rid of this black church, white church junk. Away with this denomination and that denomination. Get rid of, of well, I can't, I'm not going to that church anymore because their music is too loud. It's too contemporary. It's too upbeat. This is the kingdom of God. And there is a king that has called us unto himself and we belong to him. And if we embrace his kingdom, then we are his royal family and we must stand united. I am so sick and tired of seeing churches being divided across this country more than anything. And we do nothing to stop the moral decline that's happening in this, in, in this culture right now. Do you know if you have truly embraced God as your King, it should be easier to be holy than to sin. Sin should become a stranger. If you get up and spend all day trying not to sin, you have not embraced the kingdom of God. I didn't say you weren't going to mess up. I mean, I, I need the blood a hundred times a day, but being holy does not bother me. Come on. Not doing what other people do or being where they are, having no boundaries and being careless. That does not bother me because I've embraced the values of my King. See, this revelation is the only thing in the earth that will stop this crazy culture that we're seeing today. God expects something different out of his people. And it's time the people of God stand for truth, stand for righteousness, stand for the integrity of the word of God, and do not allow it to be sugar-coated, watered down in the midst of a cultural decay. And it's time for pastors, Christians, spiritual leaders all over this nation to stand up and become a pillar, to become rocks in the midst of such a fearless, uh, uh, well, a reckless relationship with God. They don't fear God anymore. They don't desire the things of the kingdom anymore. And we've got to turn that around. It's time. Listen, you and I are alive. I, I don't know about you, but I am excited to be alive in this, in this season right now, in this culture right now. It is such uh, an incredible moment to be alive in human history right now. I know it looks dark on the outside, but this is one of the greatest moments for you and I to be alive. 
This is one of the greatest seasons of impartation that we have right now in this moment. God's about to pour himself out. There is a fire of God that's about to fall upon this nation to those who are desiring it, who are looking for it, who are praying for it, who are believing for it. There is an incredible outpouring of the spirit of God that's about to be released upon his people. And you and I have got to be capable of carrying that mantle. It means our churches need to be prepared for an outpouring. That means that we individually need to be prepared for an outpouring. I believe that this Resurrection Sunday that's coming up in April of 2022, I believe that it is going to be one of the most incredible, impacting, most powerful, influential seasons that we've ever had in generations past. Because everything that's happening on the earth right now is showing that human morality is not the answer. The only answer for peace, the only answer for stability, the only answer for success and the future advances of humanity is the kingdom of God coming to pass through God's people. And it's time for you and I to be vessels that God can pour into. And it's time for you and I to be vessels that can be poured out in this culture. And I pray that whatever you are experiencing in your life right now, you may be saved a long time. You may have been walking with God a long time. You may have had a, you you may have be a, be a seasoned Christian, but I pray pray that whatever that wineskin is, that God would destroy that old wineskin. He would give you a brand new wineskin so he could pour in brand new wine. Because listen, we are engaged in something in culture that we've never experienced before. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to grab this, this next season. I'm ready to grab this next season. Full force, I'm ready to go. I am ready to charge into it. I'm ready to hold on to every promise of God is yes and amen. I believe he's about to pour himself out. I'm not letting go of this season. I'm holding on to it because I know that God is going to pour himself into this culture, into this generation. I'm believing for your life. I'm believing for your family. I'm believing for every sphere that God puts you in, that you will have power, authority, and influence because of his Holy Spirit, because of the kingdom that you carry, and you will change the culture with the power power of God that you carry. This is a pivotal moment and it's time for you and I to take the territory that God has called us to take. Or if we don't take it, the enemy's going to take it. The enemy's going to conquer it and it's going to take the people of God to come into a place of unity, to come into a place of alignment, to come into a place of power and authority so that God could bring his kingdom right now in 2022 and we can see this nation and this world shift and the power of God from coast to coast, border to border, in this nation and around the world begin to change lives with signs and wonders and miracles beginning to take place. Get ready, folks. It's coming. I'm believing for your life. I'm trusting God's power and authority to be released into your life and his kingdom come to pass in every space, in every territory that he puts you in. This is going to be an incredible season, so get ready. Listen, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm believing God's best is yet to come in your life. You can connect with me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. You can download our app in your app stores by searching Ignite Church VT, and you can connect with us online by searching ignitechurchvt.com. Listen, share this podcast, share this episode. God's got great things in your life. I believe it. The best is yet to come. I will see you next time on another episode of Shatterproof.